0: So often when I see organizations ready to invest in their marketing or branding, I see them focus a lot on things like color and font and graphics or logo. And those things are all nice. Like I have invested in them too. But one of the areas where I think organizations chronically underinvest is their messaging. The words that connect with their audience, with their community, within their organization Words have the power to actually move people to action. Whether that action is to sign up for your programming or to give a donation, words are the driver, not your colors or your logo. And so that's what we're diving into today. As you know... My name is Cindy Wagman, and I'm your host of the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we bring you practical down-to-earth advice on how to get more done for your small organization. You are going to change the world, and we're here to help. So today, I'm so excited to welcome Jordana Merkin, who is the founder and CEO of Voice for Good. And Jordana spends a lot of time thinking about your organization's words and what words make sense for your organization and how you can use words to mobilize people. Welcome, Jordana.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: It is my pleasure. Um, I can't wait to dive in because again, I think this is so overlooked by organizations. I'd love to start with just getting to know you a little bit. How did you end up being an expert in the words that move people?
1: Yeah. So I worked in several nonprofits for about a decade, always in the marketing communications department. And that department Size varied depending on the organization, sometimes just me, sometimes um, a bit larger. But I was also an English major in college. So words have always been a big part of what I think about um, reading and writing since I was a kid has always been my favorite things. And upon graduating college, I thought that I was going to go in More of an advertising copywriting direction. And I did a few internships in the for profit world and quickly realized that I really enjoyed those exercises, but I didn't enjoy anything about what I was focused on. So I knew I needed to be marketing a mission. So for my first full time job out of college, you know, I was always in house. And about three years ago, I shifted gears and now I work as a consultant. And I really have the privilege of working with many organizations to help them clarify their messaging so they can really best connect to their people.
0: That is awesome. I always joke with people that I was a terrible writer in school. Like, I love that you have an English major, but also the kind of writing we did in university is very different than the kind of writing that actually makes sense for your organization. And I feel like we almost have to unlearn a lot of the things we've been taught around messaging and words and grammar and all of those things. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the common mistakes people make when it comes to messaging within their organization that we do because we've been taught that's the right way to do it, but like we're not in academics anymore and it doesn't work?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Okay. So the first thing I'll say is that people tend to use too many words. (laughs) Um, And, you know, less is usually more. Where I start when I work on a messaging guide with an organization is always to answer the question, what do you do? And to answer it as simply and clearly as possible. Because Lots of organizations do lots of things. Um, And if you ask, you know, three people at the same organization that same, what do you do? You will often get three or more, honestly, answers even from three people. So it's really that simplification of how do you answer that question in a way that demonstrates your impact? Right. Because if someone is asking that question, it's an opportunity to really demonstrate your impact and to demonstrate it in a way that connects at an emotional level, because that's how you're going to connect with your audience. So yes, you have this program and that program and all the things, but what is the impact of all of that? And that's really what you do. So while there are lots of things that are true ways to answer that story, um, really getting to that, that key message, that one big picture story, as I like to call it, that's really something that I see a lot of organizations really get into the weeds because. They are so rightfully so. I mean, I've been there when you're in a house, you're nose to that grindstone and you're in all the things every day. So it's often my outsider perspective and my insider knowledge that, you know, can really help clarify that. The other thing I would say is coming from that academic place is that they don't have enough personality or any personality, yeah. right? Your organization has a personality and you should not be afraid to show it and use it. Not only not be afraid, you should lean into it. If you think about who your person is, who your organization is as a person, right? If you Mm. really think about what are the feelings that you want someone to associate with your organization, you know, if someone had a conversation with your organization, not necessarily with the individuals in it, but the organization as a whole, what does that feel like? What are the words that that person would come away with to describe you and then use that to inform the voice you use and the words you use in your writing?
0: Mm. One of the things I see a lot of organizations struggle with is that personality, specifically when they think it needs to be the executive director or board chair signing off on or writing something that that person has to have a very formal, oftentimes boring voice or... Well, let's talk about that. There's a few other things that drive me crazy. So that's one of them where it feels like as the executive director, you're not allowed to have personality or as a board chair, you're you're so formal. How do we shake people from that belief?
1: Yeah. So again, I would consider like really thinking about it in terms of humans, right? Human interacting with a human and what does that feel like? And come up with maybe four or five words. That's what I would put in a messaging guide to describe that voice. And then I would say that often, I think that comes from a place of, well, we deal with such serious issue or, you know, we can't have, it needs to sound serious and formal all the time. But I would say that serious and formal are not necessarily the same. (laughs) Um, And you can sound serious while not being formal um, and address serious subject matter. And I would also say that voice and tone are also not always the same. You can, you know, have one voice, you know, or a few words to describe that one voice because, Again, if you think about your organization as a person, you have your personality, but your tone can change, right? Sometimes you are more formal and sometimes you're more serious and sometimes you're a little bit more casual or a little bit more lighthearted, depending on the communication and what it is you're talking about. And that can still all be consistent with that voice, with that personality, But you can have multiple tones that really speak to whatever it is you're talking about in that moment. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but as long as you're mindful of the bigger picture and because it's also that consistency that's going to that feeling that you leave people with and that consistent feeling that you leave people with is what's going to keep them coming back to your organization and remembering Mm. you supported your organization In the first place, whether that was monetary support or volunteering or even just, you know, liking a post on social media, remembering that that was you and not some other organization that sounded exactly the same as you, um, that will make you stand out.
0: I love that. I want to talk a little bit about what other elements. I think of these as building blocks or the foundation, right? As your messaging, once you have those foundations, you get to use it in so many different places and ways but you mentioned sort of the like, what do you do statement or answer? And you also talked about some couple key words that you put in terms of the personality. What else should go into a messaging guide that will allow the organization to show up consistently in their
1: messaging across
0: internal, external, all that kind of places?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. So I will say a little bit more about the what do you do question. Um, The way that the exercise I use to answer that is asking the question, why is that important? Three times to really drill down into that emotional core that I mentioned. So you start with, well, what do you do? And then you dig down and dig down and dig down. So you're peeling back the layers of that onion. And that's how you get to that emotional core piece. And as I mentioned, that's what I call your big picture story, right? And then to be consistent, all of your day-to-day stories that you're telling, all of the content that you're putting out there needs to reflect back that big picture story. And it needs to really to reflect that emotional piece of your impact. And again, that's what people are going to relate to. Even when you're telling them about, oh, this thing that happened today or this program that we have coming up or an event, or even when you're making a fundraising ask, if it all is consistent in your big picture story and under that umbrella, then that's also what will make you memorable and easy to relate to. Something else that goes in is your are your values, right? So we talked about voice and tone, but your values are how you're going to relate to someone. And really, if there's that alignment, that's also what will keep them coming back. You know, there are so many organizations out there that some may have a similar mission to yours. But if you can really lead with your values in addition to your unique personality, those factors are what are going to attract the right people to your organization and what are going to keep them there. One of my favorite Seth Godin quotes is people like us do things like this. And when mm. you lead with your values, that's what you're signaling, right? You're signaling to people like us that support your organization, right? And do things like what your organization's mission does. So When you can demonstrate that through the words you use, then that's also how you'll keep people engaged with your story.
0: I love that quote. And I hear from organizations who are sometimes fearful of alienating people. The idea that we want to appeal to as many people as possible. And so sometimes we shy away from being too outward about our values or we want to be light in our language and keep it broad. Tell me about how that works or doesn't work for organizations.
1: Yeah, so it's hard to hear. And I know I always hesitate before saying it, but your organization is not for everyone. And I know that it's hard to hear because again, I've been there. And when you're in it, especially if you found it, then it's your baby. And it's something, well, of course, everyone should care about this thing that I care about so much. But... If you spend your time trying to convince people to care, then you're not spending your time wisely. There are people who care. There are many people who care because no matter what your mission is, it appeals to the people who care about that mission, right? So that's not to say that you shouldn't educate around your mission. That's definitely necessary, no matter what your mission is. By you know, to use like a trait example, if you run a dog rescue, but I'm a cat person, then I'm not your person, right? So you should be speaking to dog people. So that's something that I also really try to make clear is that. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to use language that's so insider that, you know, almost no one understands it, but you do want to use some language that signals to your people and that's okay. And yes, you will be alienating sounds like a negative word, but in this case, I don't think it is. Um, You know, you will be alienating some people, but those people aren't your people. So by doing that, you're going to draw in your people even further and make them feel connected. You know, something else that I always talk about in messaging is show me, you know me. And when Mm -hmm. you're speaking to your audience, you always want to be doing that. So I will continue with this example, but if you're running a dog rescue, then you want to use dog specific language because you're not appealing to cat people or parrot people or fish people. You're, you're appealing to, to dog people. And that's the language that they want to see because then they will feel seen and heard and recognized through your writing. And again, that's what's going to keep them coming back.
0: I love that. Maybe I'm kind of leading your answer, but another false tension I see with organizations is there's sort of almost like three audiences internal to the organization, their service users, or like if they're working with people, um, maybe not animal rescue, but <laughs> the service users and community and then the supporters and donors. And I think a lot of people, again, I'm leading this question saying like, I think they falsely believe that like, those are three really separate audiences, and that they don't cross over. And so you have to have these different voices. But I think organizations would feel a lot better about all their communications, if they could see the points of intersection. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, even the the process and understanding how? those audiences think about you, what language they use, and how you can bring those together Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: create core messaging that is so flexible, but also so very specific and aligned Mm -hmm. to your values.
1: Yeah. So I'm happy you brought that up because one thing I didn't mention about the messaging guide is that it's an internal document. So it's the foundation and the building blocks for all of your external communications come from there. But internally, that's where you have to start. So you have to start with it from that place. Once you have buy-in from your internal people, meaning your staff and your board, um, depending on the size of your organization, maybe volunteers, but people who are really inside your organization on a regular basis. And again, that question of what do you do, as I said, could be answered differently even by internal people. So it's really about pulling everyone together, getting everyone on the same page, understanding that big picture story understanding your key differentiators what makes you different what makes your organization unique why should someone support you and not someone else who may be similar so once you have all of that in place then you can think about your audience and those you serve and for some organizations that's like its own Venn diagram right sometimes that's all in the same all in one and sometimes they're two completely different groups of people but whatever it is there's going to be a values alignment there between the two groups and ideally between those who are internal to the organization because if someone is supporting your mission and someone is benefiting from your mission then in theory you know with all the pieces align they should have similar values and it's important to your supporters to see those beneficiaries benefit from your organization so i think the exact content of your message will change depending on who the audience is. So that's definitely something that's important to keep in mind when writing each communication. But in terms of crafting your overall messaging, there are going to be the same themes in there because that's what people value about you and your again to go back to your personality as an organization. Your staff should value that, your board should value that, those you serve should value that and those who support you should value that.
0: I love that I I don't know why I feel like I'm so focused today on like the things not to do, but I, are there any <laughs> other sort of like common mistakes that you see organizations make when it comes to their messaging or copy?
1: Hmm. The biggest mistake, I think, is not having all of this in writing
0: (laughs) Ooh, yes.
1: (laughs) because I think most organizations don't have a formal messaging guide Mm -hmm. um, or something similar their, you know, brand voice guide or people call it different things. But I think people don't have something like this internal document in writing so that the staff members all may be, you know, and I have worked at organizations like this where the staff will all say, well, our message is always going to be this. And then the board will be like, well, our message is always going to be that so to have something to really pull everyone consistently on the same page so that you're all telling the same story whether that's formally in writing in an official you know organization newsletter or just informally out in the world where it's oh you work for and or you're on the board of this organization you know oh what do you do that answer should always be the same so pulling it together in a formal document just gives everyone that strong foundation to pull from regardless of how they're writing or talking about it.
0: Mm, I love that. I don't know why it made me think of the phrase kill the darlings or kill your darlings, which I never really knew for a long time what that meant. But this idea that like, when we work really hard and spend a lot of time with like, fine tuning the writing and all that kind of stuff, it feels really hard to let that go. But Oftentimes, again, what we have isn't really serving or done in a strategic way. And so, or in a messaging way, I feel like oftentimes with missions specifically, we write them not necessarily for any specific audience, but just kind of like, is this true for us? Whereas I love the question of like, what do you do is an answer to someone. But I feel like that process is so hard because it's hard for people to give up the things that they've spent a lot of time thinking about or writing about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's like that closeness to it, which I mm. completely understand. It's like, you know, it's your whole heart that having that outsider perspective um, sometimes is helpful because like a little bit of distance sometimes helps. But yeah, even again, internally with like multiple people looking at the same thing, um, then yeah, there are often a lot of feelings around it, which is wonderful. And that's, you know, the passion is what fuels the mission. But yeah, sometimes you need that clarity as well. Yeah,
0: I know that the first answer is going to be depends, but I want to just sort of wrap up our conversation thinking about the kind of language that moves people. I have so many pet peeves today, but one of my pet peeves is when I see organizations, when they answer that question, what do you do? And they say things like, we strive to do this, or these sort of like words that minimize the impact or that sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm not on my word game today, but I feel like they diminish the work by saying like, we're working towards or we're striving or like those kinds of qualifiers. But yes, okay, so I know those words to me feel like they demotivate people. Mm -hmm. So what are some general guides or ways to think about words that motivate or move people to action?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I remember the beginning of your question, and you're right, that it does depend. I I did remember. (laughs) I remember it as I was rambling. (laughs) So it definitely does depend. Again, like, audience is a huge part of that. So depending on who your audience is, I would say it does depend. Um, I would also say there's a time and a place for a word like strive in your vision statement. So I would say like when you think about the world that you want to create, strive is a really good place for that, right? Because that's what it is. I agree with you though, that words like strive gets in the way of the direct activity and the direct action, right? If you're saying help X, Y, and Z, it diminishes what The work that you do and the the contribution that your supporter is making, whether that's financial or otherwise. So, yeah, I think being as direct as possible and just this is the depends part, but just, you know, saying whatever the thing it is that you do. And also, again, thinking back to that like emotional piece of impact, right, like that impact statement and how you can tug at someone's heartstrings in that way. And just, yeah, being direct about it, like, we're not going to do this thing, we are doing this thing. And just having that sense of we are doing this thing, and then bringing your supporters along to be part of that solution. So it's not, well, you can help and then maybe do this piece of the thing that equals the other thing, but really just being a part of that solution and partnering with you, the organization to do that thing. Mm, I love that. That reminds me of one of the very first things you said, which is we are probably
0: saying too much <laughs> and have too many words. So I think like some finding ways to simplify and be clear. And that feels like a lot what you just described. Jordana, where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about the work that you do?
1: Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn, Jordana Merkin. I'm on Instagram at voice for Good. My website is voiceforgoodmarketing.com at voiceforgoodmarketing.com backslash prompts. I have a freebie that you can download around building your own messaging guide, but I'm always happy to chat on this topic too. So feel
0: free. Awesome. I love that. I think if you don't have a messaging guide, like period, you should do that. So go check out Jordana's prompt, prompts mm-hmm. or prompt? prompts, prompts. Yeah.
1: Is a a couple, um, one, of, one of them is the messaging guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. This is also an activity that brings your organization together. I think in a meaningful way. I've seen a lot of organizations that get really siloed, and people just think of their own programming or their own work, and not how they're part of something bigger. And I think when we are part of that bigger thing, we deepen our commitment and drive. Yeah. I love it, Jordana. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And course, yeah. And of course, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.